More impressive though, is amongst those positive cases, Janet, 1% of them were attributed to in-school transmission. Wow, that's incredible. So what, yeah. we, what we knew what was going on and became our rally cry and almost a bit of preaching, if you will, for schools, employers, and the county was to speak to citizens and employees that your decisions outside of school were impacting businesses and school itself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results, and they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. This week, we bring a special addition to our podcast. There's been conversations around data and results that show that with certain approaches to safety, it's safe for our students to be back in school and face-to-face in classrooms. I'm so excited to bring back Dale Shaver to our show, who will share the strategic efforts the Waukesha County government has applied to connect public health and K-12 education. Dale will share the results of their efforts, which show incredible positive outcomes for the surrounding Waukesha school districts in Wisconsin. In this episode and the next, we showcase a high-performing collaborative community effort, one that we can all learn from and model in our regions. I'm excited to welcome Back to our show, Dale Shaver, Director of Waukesha County Department of Parks and Land Use. Dale has previously come on our show in episodes 68, 93, and 94 to discuss their organization's response to the pandemic and collaboration with their local school districts. Today, Dale is going to provide an update on the Waukesha County effort in relation to their partnerships and data monitoring. In our next episode, Dale will join us again to continue our conversation. You really want to hear this. It's really extraordinary. To provide some background information prior to our conversation today, I'll provide a summary of the data recently released from the Center for Disease Control for our listeners. This just sets the context for the day in my conversation with Dale. The CDC recently released data from a study conducted very close to your county, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Wood County. So 17 schools participated in the study of COVID-19 in schools and compliance with mask use. Using a public dashboard, the Wood County Public Health Department gathered information from 4,876 students and 654 staff members during the 13-week study period. August 31 through November 29, a total of 3,393 COVID cases were reported in Wood County, including 191 cases within the participating schools. Cases occurred in 133 students and 58 staff members. Among these 191 cases, seven, 3.7% were attributed to in-school SARS-CoV-2 transmission and all occurred among students. No in-school transmission between separate classroom cohorts was reported. So the study in Wood County found COVID-19 incidents in schools conducting in-person instruction was 37% lower than that in the surrounding community. The study also reports observed student masking compliance ranged from 92.1 to 97.4% and did not vary 
by student age. So Dale, I know from our conversations, the Waukesha County School Partnership has also established a similar process to measure and monitor this data in your area. And so can you share with our listeners a little bit about how and why your county agency established an alliance to monitor the COVID-19 transmission in your school? So let's start with that why, and then we'll get into some deeper questions. Yeah, thanks for, for having me again. I think this is just such a great topic, uh, particularly the partnership, I think, between government and public health and school districts and what opportunities lie ahead for us. But for Waukesha County, much like in Wood County, in May of 2020, Wisconsin, much like many other states, uh, were shut down under a safer at home order. And what the impact that had on Waukesha County is that we were, as a result, we experienced an unemployment rate of about 11.7%. Or almost 18,500 oh. people were out of jobs. Now, keep in mind, this is a county where its economy is normally running at about a 2.3% unemployment rate or workforce participation rates that are over 80% amongst work, working age men and women. So to be at 11.7% or 18,000 people out of jobs, that's really a, that's really a story to this pandemic that we needed to focus on. And so, during that time, we were gathering information clearly from the business community that uh, it was very important for them as employers to have children safely back in school because it was impacting their businesses and their ability to open and operate. And I just vividly remember meeting with a, a, a group of hospital executives and one of them from a major hospital had, had told me, we can even tell in a snow day um, the impact on our school, on our hospital, because nurses, um, because of the demographics, so many of them being women, unfortunately, are impacted and need to stay home. And certainly during COVID, they were requesting time off to help uh, virtually teach their children. And so that was a really powerful message wow. from healthcare, businesses, schools, and government that we really needed to target that as an objective. At the same time, because we had started a dialogue with school districts, they were in the process of surveying their parents. And what we were finding then is 80 to 90% of the parents that responded to surveys wanted their kids to attend school in person. Mm. So we had a, we had a common, we had a common purpose. Um, and we needed to figure out a safe way to allow kids to stay in school or in, in person in school. So Waukesha County developed a coalition. We have 15 school districts in the county. And for your listeners, Janet, in Wisconsin, those school districts are not governed by county government, which I believe is, is a case in some other of your states. So I just wanted to point out that right. here in Wisconsin. So we did craft an objective, and that was to develop a, a face-to-face instructional model that would be resilient to the spread of COVID-19. And now thinking back, if we would write a measurable objective, we probably should have included some sort of academic performance measurement in there as well. But I'll talk about that a little bit uh, as we get into this discussion a little further. But what was interesting is we already had an ongoing relationship with schools because in Wisconsin, we're blessed with snow days. Um, And so for those of you that are listening, Snow is this white substance that falls between December and February in Wisconsin and really depending on your mood for the day, it's either delightful or it's a pain. So yeah. And um, there's a lot of it right now, right, Dale? <laughs> so anyway, the superintendents have an ongoing dialogue with our public works highway operations manager, where we literally are uh, have access to some fairly sophisticated predictive modeling for weather and road conditions, certainly from our drivers. 
And so that, that allows us to keep superintendents informed. And I will tell you, as I watch superintendents, and that is a decision that you will never win on, right? Yeah. For Chris Snow. So we start with that empathy just going into this. So in early June, we formally began a cadence with schools, uh, a dialogue with superintendents and nurses with the objective of developing protocols that would allow them to bring students back in August to school safely in an in-person learning environment. And those protocols evolved around cohort groups. It was contact tracing and mask wearing. And so we also went to our largest business organization. It's called the Waukesha County Business Alliance. They have thousand members, but that was an effective conduit for us to communicate with the business community as well, because we wanted them to stay close to this issue to support schools in, in this move and the county, quite frankly. So to help begin to collect data, we taught our school nurses as our public health team how to conduct contact tracing. And so why did we do that? They're the front seat of this, right? They have the front row seat. And so often if you, at the time, even today, if you go in for testing for a COVID test, by the time the test results come back to a public health office, there may be a 24 or 48 hour uh, gap in time where the student and the family will already have received that positive confirmation. Mm. Well, like most parents, you're calling the school right away the next day or sometimes that day that my, my student won't be in school. So we figured if we could teach those school nurses and nurse aides how to conduct contact tracing, now they can be ahead of us 24 or 48 hours to quarantine or help us isolate those, that student population so that we're, we're doing a much better job at disease containment as we reopen schools. I mean, that was just, I mean, so I can't believe, like, I can't imagine the amount of work that probably went into just building the setup, you know, so that you could get to a place where schools could get kids back in face-to-face and and then you begin to affect some of the other metrics that were declining really in your county. So, Dale, will will you tell us um, what the data, you know, what you're monitoring through the Waukesha County School Partnership, what results you're experiencing now? Yeah. So I would say um, as a shout out to your organization over the last several years, because a lot of what Waukesha County has learned from performance excellence came from healthcare and and our relationship with you and your team. And so we saw that and what we've learned through that is what gets measured gets improved. Yeah. And so if we had the shared objective of safely allowing kids to attend school in purpose, we knew we had to have agreed upon data sets. And so much like most of the public facing data or dashboards today on COVID, certainly we had the total cases that were reported countywide. We did decide to, and this was purposeful in our discussion with school districts because we knew families, parents would wanna see what was going on in the community. So we did break down those cases by school district, by age group. I, I can tell you stories of families that, that would wake up in the morning and look at our dashboard to make a decision about uh, school attendance, um, almost like a weather report. We also did track because we were able to cross train school nurses. We were able to track the number of direct contacts that were related to a positive COVID case, which gave us that real important insight into the effectiveness of our physical distancing, our cohort separation and mask wearing. 
we were also able to track confirmed cases of transmission between from students to students and from students to teachers. And then, much like I mentioned earlier, after the fact, maybe my regret was not in embedding into the overall objective and academic piece. We did work closely with schools once schools opened to, to track academic performance as well. And, and literally the difference between virtual learning models and those education, that education that was occurring in person. You had referenced the Wood County study, the CDC study, which we were delighted to read and receive because it's an official study. Yeah. Um, but what's nice about that is it does really validate a lot of what we were seeing over the last nine months now in our work with developing an effective protocol for a face-to-face learning tool. And so our data is pointing to the same conclusions. In Waukesha County, we have about 75,000 K through 12 students that go to school every day. Those school districts have experienced about a 1% positivity rate amongst wow. students. More impressive though, is amongst those positive cases, Janet, 1% of them were attributed to in-school transmission. Wow, that's incredible. So what, yeah. we, what we knew what was going on and became our rally cry and almost a bit of preaching, if you will, for schools, employers, and the county was to speak to citizens and employees that your decisions outside of school were impacting businesses and school itself. So what we were seeing is school was a very safe place, right? Yeah. So we also were able to track because our public health staff were engaged in this alongside of the school nurses and nurse aides, that the number of confirmed cases of transmission between student and staff was virtually non-existent. So since last August, we've had three cases. Wow. Three cases of confirmed transmission between students that were positive and teachers. The percentage of confirmed positive cases of students that were quarantined, that was less than a half of a percent. So I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit further. But basically, at the end of the day, much like the Wood County study, we experienced no in-school transmission that was between the separate classroom cohorts were reported. So that model of cohorts, hand washing, masks, physical distancing is the secret sauce. Yeah. And so the data, and because we cared about the data and put provisions in place, proper protocols have led us. Schools are an extremely safe place for children and teachers right now. Yeah, I love, you know, and uh, as you kind of hear the, um, you know, more from the news reports now that, of course, they don't put the detail behind it that you're providing now. I think it's so critical because there, there are very specific ways that you worked with the school system to put a model together that led to these results. And, you know, that's that it, it's the secret sauce of the combination of the things that you did in order to achieve those results. Sometimes that's left out. That's why I think this, this interview is really, really important, Dale. You know, I'm just curious too, as, as you all were making those decisions and putting the model in place and parents were looking at the results, do you have a sense that families were feeling pretty safe? They felt pretty good about sending their kids to school? I would say the vast majority, yes. And I think the fact that we had what helped us bolster that decision, otherwise it would have been a very courageous decision, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I think what helped bolster that is we heard loud and clear from the community. So the, the fact that schools asked their families what they wanted 
and certainly to hear from a large block of businesses within the county, along with the the data that we had that our economy was in trouble. Yeah. Right? And so that was that was really, really important to us. And I and I think the other some of the other results, Janet, that I'd share probably of interest, maybe even more so for instructors and school administrators as listeners for these podcasts, is that school districts were providing to the county information about academic performance. And so that helped us even buy in deeper into what we were doing. And so I had some information just from one district particularly that students achieving a B minus or better, their performance was about 15 to 20% higher in the standards. So social studies, math, language arts, and science versus for in-school instruction versus their virtual learning counterpart. Yeah. 20% uh, performance rate higher than virtual learners. Equally as interesting, I think, is that virtual learners had a failure rate that was 10 to 20% higher in the same subject, social mm-hmm. studies, math, language arts, and science, than their in-school instruction partners. So mm-hmm. while you would think, and, and I can speak anecdotally to uh, conversations I have with individuals in the community, that, well, my child is a self-starter, right? But what was interesting what we and what we found is that sometimes that wasn't enough, right? Because yeah. the interaction has a power to it that can't be carried through. And we find it in business, Janet, sometimes the effectiveness of a year of Zoom meetings is nothing like troubleshooting in a, in a boardroom. Right. Um, so it's, I think it's very, very similar. Uh, someday I wish there will be studies, and, and I know the data is out there. We just have to pause to take some time to do it. But to understand more about the mental health impact on students as a result of these decisions. And so we have, again, we have anecdotal information, but that really would be a deeper dive. And I hope someday, yeah. and I always said that there will be some PhD candidates that will dive into this and have 10 years of great research as a result of the last year. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that and um, and just what you are, we were talking about a few minutes ago, as you look at learning loss or learning regression, we just haven't, you know, the studies that are out there now are really from, from over the summer going into the fall. I mean, we haven't really even looked at the continuation of being in that COVID environment and that continuous loss of learning. I think we're going to learn um, some things that are going to be pretty eye-opening for us and present us with problems that are going to be very critical to solve. What gets measured matters, and students and families benefit from teams using data to understand what's working and where adjustments need to be made. When we are doing something that's never been done, measuring along the way is even more important. What a great example of continuous improvement and using continuous data assessments to drive decisions. On our next episode, Dale and I will discuss the biggest challenges their data reveals what was most vital to their success, and how working in collaboration solves critical problems. That's what we all can do more of and do a lot better. To learn more about our free upcoming virtual events like Leader Roundtables and Destination High Performance, visit studereducation.com events. In particular, I want to connect with you to our Strengthening Rural Conference on April 20th. You can hear more about Waukesha County's collaboration and partnership at this virtual conference. You can connect to that conference by going to studereducation.com forward slash rule. That's R 
D-A-L-E-U-R-A-L. Hope you come to interact and hear more from Dale. And also, if you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, as always, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to connect with Dale and we focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can all be our best at work and really great part of our community. Have a great week, everyone.